Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We're going to continue this message series that we've been in. We call it the Gospel of Freedom. We're in the book of Galatians in the New Testament. If you've got that with you, I invite you to find that uh, along with me on your, your phone or your Bible. And uh, there should be a notes page in your program today if you want to follow some notes. Uh, there's no PowerPoint behind me, but I'm, I'll try to kind of point out a few things that you could jot down to help you um, kind of catch some of the things the Lord has for us. So we're we were 10 weeks deep into this series. They were calling it Children of Grace. Children of Grace. I wonder if when you were a, a kid, if you ever wished you were part of someone else's family, like if you wished you were had someone else as your parents. Anybody ever go through that? You know, Becky and I have a, have a couple of sons, and I'm at least one of them, I'm sure, um, would would say we're second choice at best. Um, his best friend's parents were way better than us, way cooler, nicer, more generous. Uh, you know, Todd and Aaron, if you're watching, you know who you are. Uh, just amazing. Uh, and uh, if he could have moved in with them, I'm sure uh, he would have. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of what, what I think happens to a lot of us. But, you know, they say you cannot choose your family. And that's true. You can't. Uh, as much as you might want to, you get, you don't get to choose uh, your family. There's just two ways that you become part of a family, right? Either one, you're you're born into your family, or you're adopted into your family. Either way, it's someone else's decision, someone else who makes that happen for you. But in the family of God, it's different. In the family of God, it is your choice. It is your decision to become part of the family. Um, no one is born a follower of Jesus. No one's born a Christian. It's a choice by your faith. You get to choose when you put your, your trust in Jesus. And in that process, he adopts you. Jesus said it's being born again. You're, you're brought into, you're adopted into God's family forever. And so today's passage in Galatians is going to try to unpack that for us. I know there's a fair bit of, uh, between a little bit of wind noise and microphone noise, you know, people like me have to just try to get through that. So do that with me. I'm trying not to be too distracted, but you could tell I am, can't you? Everybody take a deep breath. Mike, should I try a different mic? No? Okay, we're good. We're going to keep going. God's so good. Let's just pause for a moment before we open his word. Jesus, uh, I think there's something in here for us that we need today. And we just want to speak to distractions and just say, uh, not today, God, that you would, you would speak to us through your word in a way that affects us deeply, that impacts, that changes us, that equips us to live for you in our world. We just, we just yield it all to you right now in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're able to stand, I would invite you to do so for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Galatians chapter three, picking up at verse 23. And reading to the end of the chapter, verse 29, Galatians 3, 23 to 29. 
He says this, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way, he says. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. So what we have here is Paul's making this comparison of, uh, of, of law and grace to, to that kind of process of becoming part of a family, becoming children in a spiritual family. So because of sin, we're orphans, we're lost, we're hopeless, we're helpless, we're, 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 we're on our own. And the law, let's take, for example, the Ten, the Ten Commandments, it kind of is the summary of that for us. Uh, the, the law was a benefit to us because obedience to God's law was a provision um, for us to be, for people to be in, considered in God's family, but only in the way that, that foster children are brought into a family temporarily. I, uh, I grew up in a home where we, we had foster, I grew up with some, some foster brothers in my, in my home. And, uh, my parents just had this incredible heart, uh, for, for these young, basically young men or boys who, who had, you know, were victims of, uh, of abuse or, or just kind of mistreatment or neglect, really. And, uh, and it was a, you know, it was kind of an interesting growing up time, I would say. I was pretty young, particularly. I remember one guy, his, uh, his choice was uh, he could go to juvenile detention or he could go to the Weeb family. Apparently, the Weeb family was slightly better than jail. Uh, another one was uh, a pretty active pyromaniac, just about burned the house down a couple of times. That, that was interesting. Another one, he uh, he uh, came to us kind of in, I think it was a senior year of high school, and he'd already come to Christ at that point. And, and just this weekend, actually, I, I read his autobiography. He's now a, a PhD in uh, classic literature and just has an incredible story to tell. But it, but, but he, it, part of that story was being welcomed, but welcomed only temporarily. In, in a foster situation, uh, they're only there until a better option comes along. And by contrast, some of you have adopted children into your family or you were adopted into a family. And, and that's different than fostering. It's permanent, right? So the adopted child receives the full identity, benefits, rights, privileges, you know, even responsibilities of a new family. And I would say adoption is one of the most beautiful and godly uh, acts imaginable. And so this is Paul's analysis of law versus grace, like a foster family versus an adoptive family. The foster family is great, but there's the foster, the adoptive family is better. The, the law served as a foster parent, while faith in Christ makes you an adopted child. And, 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 and the law cared for God's people until this better way was given by faith. 
God's law always had a way to deal or provided a way to deal with sin and to deal with relationships and, and provide a means for worship, all those things. But a child of God was always by faith. As we learned last week when we looked at Abraham, even prior to the law, even way from the very beginning, it was by faith alone that we're made into God's family. If you look at verse 25, you'll see that Paul goes so far as is to say this. He says, now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. That's interesting. Now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian, as our foster parent. See, keep in mind that Paul, this apostle, he was raised under, you know, he, he became a Pharisee. He was raised under the, some of the strictest observance uh, of the rules of the Jewish law. And he was good at it. He, he even said, I, I could boast to you about how good I was at keeping all the rules. But everything changed for him when he met Jesus personally, when he had a personal encounter with Christ. Everything changed. And so I think we could say it this way. The way of faith cancels the law. The way of faith cancels the law. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The way of faith cancels the law. Now, that might be a little bit tough to stomach because then you think, well, wait, no rules, no, no guidelines, no, 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 you know, behavior that, that we should pay attention to. I mean, do we just throw out the big 10, the 10 commandments? Do they not apply? I mean, they're still in the Bible. You guys, if you're reading the R&R journal, you read them this morning. I, I, I read Deuteronomy five this morning. I read the 10 commandments. What do we do with that? Well, for us, under grace, the law is obsolete, but obedience is not obsolete. And that's an important distinction. Hebrews 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 10, confirms it by, by saying it this way. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, says this. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. See, God, by the Holy Spirit, impresses, pushes onto the heart of the believer what's right and what's wrong. Your conscience speaks to you. You know how some of you, you know, you, you, you remember your life before you followed Christ. You did stuff that you didn't think anything about. It's just like, yeah, we, yeah, we do this. And then you came to Christ. You're like, I don't think I should do that anymore. What happened? God impressed upon you his love for you, his His guidelines for you, his law upon your heart and recognize, you know what? As a follower of Jesus, I don't do that anymore. That, that's what's happening. He puts it on your heart. Now, the problem with the law, while it was true and while it was corrective for us, it couldn't get to the heart. See, outward uh, obedience is not faith. It's compliance, right? Uh, it reminds me of the little boy who was in church and, and the pastor said, let's stand to pray. And the little boy refused to stand. And the, the father's embarrassed. And the dad says, come on, you know, finally threatens him enough that the kid finally stands up. But he mutters under his breath, I'm standing on the outside, but inside I'm still sitting down. Right? There's, there's something that happens. Rules can force compliance, but it cannot change the heart. And you know that to be the case. Jesus talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount, his great message Uh, to his followers, he said, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say to you, Jesus says, 
If you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Interesting that Jesus taught a literal hell, taught a place of eternal torment. Jesus warned us about that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and following. Matthew 5, 21. Interesting. If you've ever called someone an idiot in anger or cussed somebody out, what does Jesus say? He says, you've committed murder. Yeah, you didn't pull the trigger, but at a heart level, we're guilty. By Jesus' standard, we're all guilty, me included. What are we going to do about that? Jesus was challenged by someone and uh, who, who wanted him to, wanted Jesus to name. What's the most important law? And it was a trap, as often was, as they approached Jesus. It was, it was a trap. And so, uh, you know, how is he going to answer? Every law is important. How do you pick one that's the most important? Jesus said instead that it's summarized in, in a simple two-step formula, two-part formula. You can find this in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. In other words, with your intellect, with your emotions, and with your will. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus buttoned it all up in such a simple way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 22. But listen, even those are impossible unless God does something in your heart, right? You can't do that on your own. Even in its simplest boiled down form, the law is unattainable. So I need a new heart. I need a, I need a new spirit living in me. And, and the law is a decent foster parent. No complaints there. Right? But the law couldn't make us a family member. Only God, by His grace, through our faith, could do that. Adopt us into His family. All right, let's go back to verses 26 and 27 in, in Galatians 3, where he says this. He says, you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Huh. United with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. By your faith. One of the significant things in a, in a change of identity or being adopted into a family, uh, is, is that there's often a change of wardrobe. The clothing style changes. Um, I remember when one of these kids came into our family, he was pretty ragtag. And, uh, and, uh, his whole look got a lot better living in our family. When you're adopted, your, your wardrobe changes. And we'd say it this way. Baptism is your wardrobe change. Baptism is your wardrobe change. Well, let's talk a little bit about baptism. Baptism is a, is a remarkable thing. It's both simple 
and mystical. It's both physical and spiritual. On one hand, it's this public symbol that that demonstrates or proclaims my faith in God. It says, I've chosen to repent. You heard Emma share her story. She's made this decision that, that she wants it to be known that she's turned from her old ways and she's turned to follow Christ. That, that's one, one part of it. The, the very, very, very first act of the new church, you can read about Acts chapter two at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. The very first thing that happens is that the apostle Peter preaches a sermon and the response is 3,000 people repent from their sin. They put their faith in Christ and they're baptized. So that, that's kind of, foundational it's fundamental to what it means to be a follower of jesus a believer in jesus but at the same time something spiritual happens in the act of baptism as well in that process when when done as a genuine act of faith paul says you put on christ you take on the clothing of christ You think about, you know, uniforms. If you, if, if, if I were to, to walk up here in a, in a police officer's uniform, A, I'd be guilty of impersonation of a police officer. So I'd be in trouble for one thing. But you would, if you didn't know me, you'd say, oh, there's a cop here. Right? If I walked up in a lab coat, you'd think, I'm a doctor or I, I work in a lab or some, something scientific. I, you know, if I work, if I rocked up in my coveralls, you'd say, oh, he's a, he's a farmer. He's, he, he's a tradesman. He's a mechanic, something like that. Right. Well, how we dress has a, says a lot about who we are, how we identify, what we, well, how we operate. Baptism is, is similar in that sense of new wardrobe, but baptism does not say, Hey, I'm perfect. I've got my faith all figured out. I, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not going to sin anymore. Baptism says I'm identified with Christ. That's all it says. I'm identified with Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and I have, you know, decided to follow Jesus and Jesus is teaching me how to do just that. I've put on Christ. I have a new place of belonging. Whereas, as we're saying here, I'm, I'm adopted into this family. In baptism, you know, you identify with the death, the burial and the resurrection. Of Christ Jesus. That's why we, when you see us baptize Emma at the end of the service, she's going to basically, it's like laying down in a grave. Romans 6 talks about this and being raised up to new life. That's the image. And just as Jesus left the grave clothes behind when he was resurrected, so you leave your old life behind to be dressed in the righteousness of Christ. That, that's part of what's happening in this act of baptism. So in baptism, we're buried, we're raised to new life. And we're dressed in new identifying clothes. It's a beautiful picture. This week I made a, a visit to somebody in hospice care. And uh, it was kind of a big deal to, I think it's my first time being allowed back into a into a facility in a year. And as I entered, I had to, to of course, wear a mask and, and put on gloves and had to wear a, a gown, um, you know, and, and a full PPE protection, right? That's meant to physically protect me from others and to protect others from me, I suppose. And, and lots of us wear, you know, masks. I look around there. Many of us are wearing a face covering right now out of, uh, to protect yourself or to protect others. Um, you know, we, we, we want to respect, uh, you know, how we, how we do that in different places. So that's great. Good PPE. But what about 
in the life to come. I mean, those things may protect you in this life, but what are you doing for the life to come? What kind of PPE are you putting on spiritually to protect you from eternal death, eternal suffering? So to put on Christ is like the ultimate personal protective equipment. If you think about it in that way, being baptized, putting on Christ, protecting yourself for all eternity. And baptism is a representation of that act, of that process, of that new life and new wardrobe. So I can't leave this passage without making a couple comments on verse 28, because it's just so important for us in understanding our faith. Galatians 3.28 says this, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I think as far as I know, all or most of us in this room are Gentiles. As far as I know, none of you are slaves. And we have a kind of a mix, half and half of men and women. But we're learning here that the way of faith erases those divisions. The way of faith erases division. Remember that. The way of faith erases division. The regulations of Moses' law apply differently to men and to women and to citizens and to aliens and to slaves and to masters. It just did. Women, slaves, and aliens did not enjoy the same liberties that you know a free Jewish male would have enjoyed. This is the kind of the reality of the situation. But by grace, God has erased those distinctions, erased those lines, those separations. Elsewhere, Paul, you know, he would outline how these different identities interact with each other, how men and women interact, how Jews and Gentiles and slaves and masters. He would give some guidelines for those things. He would talk about in the body of Christ how we have different gifts, how we have different roles. We, we serve different functions within the body of Christ. It's not that, that we're no, that we're just, that we're just nothing, but those distinctions are not any longer, um, held before Christ. In Him we're equal. In Him we're one. Equal access to the fullness of God's grace. And so there's a lot of emphasis on diversity these days. And I, I think a lot of it is very, very good. I think a lot of it's super helpful. It's obviously a political hot potato in, in so many ways. Diversity is beautiful. Anyone's mistreatment on the basis of, of their ethnicity, for example, is, is just evil. It's just wrong. Family of God ought to be multicolored, multilingual, right? Multi-ethnic and, and more. And there's no value in diversity if we can't also be in unity. If we're going to have diversity, we also have to have unity together. And so we don't celebrate, for example, this morning, you know, being Asian or Latino or Caucasian or, or, you know, or, you know, Slavic or, Germanic or, or Polynesian or Eastern or Western. None of those distinctions aren't what we celebrate when we gather, even though we admire and respect and appreciate those different traditions, those different backgrounds, those different ethnic heritages. If I exclude you or, or if I include you on the basis of those distinctions, right? I am, I am creating disunity. I welcome you. I, I invite you. I, I, we say we have a place at the table by not your ethnic identity or not your gender, 
but by your faith in Christ. That's the level playing field. And it's important that we understand that. And, and I, it's, look, I could probably get deep into the weeds on this, but that's the key, that we understand that in Christ we're one because of him. The way of faith erases division. So my simple question for you is this. Have you been adopted into God's family? Have you been adopted into God's family? God said that Abraham, that we talked about this last week, the father of the Jewish nation, he was counted righteousness, how? By faith. By his faith. Not by his good behavior. He had some good behavior and he had some not so good behavior. But that's not what counted him as righteous. It was his faith. Where was his faith? We're told his faith was in God's promise. Well, what was God's promise? God's promise was his his future, his legacy, land, salvation, all those things. God's. I think the best way we can summarize, my favorite way to summarize God's promise is found in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, which says this, we're made right in God's sight by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. We are made right in God's sight by our faith in Jesus Christ. And this applies to everyone, no matter who we are. That's the promise, that you can be made right in God's sight by your faith in Jesus. Have you put your faith in Jesus? I know as I look across, I know, you know, this is such a familiar message to so many of us. But I want you to grasp it afresh. That it's not Jesus plus anything else. It's not Jesus and crossing your fingers. It's not Jesus and I hope I make it to heaven. It's Jesus only. It's your faith in him that makes you right, that adopts you into the family. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and just prepare to lead us in a in a song. As they're coming, I'm just going to invite you to just think this through with me. Jesus is the only one, Jesus is the only one who can set you free from sin and set you free from the fear of death. Some of you in this past year have struggled with the fear of death. You're struggling with the fear of like, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Listen, you do not need to be afraid when your faith is in Jesus. And so to put your trust in Jesus means you surrender your way of trying to manage your sin and said, Jesus, you just turn it to him. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I need new life in you. That, that's, that's part of what we're talking about here. That's what it means to trust Jesus. It means, it means you receive the forgiveness that Jesus bought for you on the cross. It's already been paid. He said, it's finished. It's done. It's already been paid for. Putting your faith in Jesus means you're, you're obedient to baptism. And, and he dresses you in the new clothes of his righteousness, the, the PPE of faith. And it means you turn your life to, to follow him, to seek after him. Living a, a life that's pleasing to God, not to be saved, but because you are saved by your faith in him, you're made right. And so you live out of response to that, as we already talked about. So the question is, are you in the family of God? Have you put your trust in Christ? I don't mean have you been to church a thousand times. I, that's not what I'm talking about. It's nothing to do with it. Is your trust in Him? Jesus, 
I know I'm a sinner. I just, I trust you to forgive that. I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life and I'll follow you all my days. If that's you, if that's a decision you're making, I urge you to take that seriously. I can't make it for you. No one else can. Your parents couldn't make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. It's your decision to say, yes, I follow you. Why? Because you want to know that you don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be in fear of any of those things because Jesus has you in his family. It's forever family. I'm going to pray and then as we do this closing song and invite... Thanks for listening. Uh, know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.